Welcome to the Dylan Experience. Today is episode 58, and I've got a special guest for you. But before we do that, make sure you like, follow, subscribe, do all the things that you need to do to stay in touch with us. My next guest is currently a practicing psychotherapist, a holistic, uh, excuse me, holistic mindset coach, and a hypnotherapist. She holds her undergraduate degree in psychology with a minor in sociology from the University of Northern Iowa. She completed her master's degree in marriage and family therapy, graduating at top of her class from Iona College. Uh, she has been a practicing psychotherapist for 10 years with working and working in psychology field for over 15 years. Uh, she's worked in a diverse spectrum of environments and individuals, bringing her to ultimately release her national bestselling book, Therapize Yourself, in October. My guest today is Carrie Leaf. Carrie, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm, I'm wonderful. I'm excited for the conversation. So, Carrie, why don't you, did I say your name right? Is it yes. Leaf? Okay, yes. perfect. I, <laughs> I usually check and I forgot this time, but tell me, tell me about you. Obviously there's, there's, you know, there's a, a summary of you, but that doesn't tell me who you are. Why did you step into the field of therapy of, of psychology of sociology? Even I'm a sociology uh, major myself um, of hypnotherapy. What brought you to that? And what brought you to ultimately write a book called therapize yourself and tell me more about you. Yeah. So that's a, it's, it's been a long time coming in the sense of what led me here. You know, I've been kind of going down this field towards psychology since middle school, high school. Um, uh, let's see, summarize long story short, you know, those high school years kind of recognizing the importance of my relationships um, with my friends. That's when friends became everything. And also at the age when, you know, everything felt like life or death and, you know, so kind of exploring, um, you know, what, what relationships mean and what friendships mean and what's good and what's healthy. And then in turn also, you know, that's kind of the identity, who am I stage, you know, is beginning. And so then therefore exploring the relationship with myself as well. Um, and just kind of hitting that point, and, and knowing somewhere in high school, like, well, I don't really see what's more important in this life, in this world than relationships and, and connection and, and growing and sharing with others. And so um, at that point in high school, I knew I would be going into the psych field. Um, and then it just took some twists and turns along the way. And, and here I am. <laughs> Perfect. So I, like, I know you know, for a lot of people, stepping into psychology is often a, a response to their own trauma or their own, their own issues. That doesn't sound like the case, or is that the case? You know, like, is, is there, you know, is there past experiences there that, that kind of pushed you to dig into understanding people? I know that was certainly my case of like, losing, losing my dad at a young age and going through all the things um, made me question my identity very young. Um, and I always found that that lingering desire to understand why, like, why did my dad, you know, choose to commit suicide at six years old for, for context? Um, but then why am I the way that I am kind of always presented that question of how do I understand myself and how do I do that also with people? So what, what about, you know, like your story kind of brought you to recognize identity as a major, you know, like focal point in your life? Yeah, good question. I wouldn't say that it was any one thing or like we say, um, a big T, a, a big trauma. Um, I would say, you know, but it, it, those adolescent years, there's all kinds of little T's, little traumas, right? In the eye of the beholder, naturally. Um, but my dad was a high school guidance counselor and a community college um, psych professor. So the language and the communication and the observation and self-reflection that was just modeled for in my home in the first place. So sure. that was naturally set there. Um, but then I would say that um, my own, uh, I would very, I would say social anxiety. It's my own social anxiety. And um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I recognized it at that age in my teenage years as, as social anxiety, but being very shy, being very, you know, like as what I would have thought then just like tons of like insecurities holding me back. Um, and then kind of looking back and 
when I, it must've been kindergarten, I think is, is, is my parents tell me, I think it might've been somewhere in kindergarten or first grade where the teacher is considered holding me back because I was so shy. I wouldn't even talk to the teachers. I was just naturally always pretty shy and anxious. Um, and so struggling, I think in those teenage years, preteen years, socially, like to be social and not have all these like ruminating thoughts and insecurities and um, get over that social anxiety. I would say that probably pushed me that direction quite a bit as well. So how then, which is, this is interesting that, you know, you bring that to the table. How then do you now operate as a public figure, you know, (laughs) doing what you do? Like you're, you're obviously not shy anymore. Um, So how, how did you get from point A to point B? Oh, I, I am shy. (laughs) I still (laughs) am shy. Um, You know, if if someone it's different, it looks different and I've worked through it naturally that I am shy. There's still that social anxiety. There's a lot of nerves. I get anxious. Um, But through life experiences, through my education, through working with my clients, um, pushing myself in different directions, I have it it shows up different. You know, like it's definitely not obvious to everyone else. And I'm not sure that it always would have been in the teenage years, but um, I still feel it. I still know it's there, but it's almost like I've, I've put myself through some kind of my own exposure therapy of, of doing it afraid, just doing it afraid anyway. Um, yeah. I think when I made the leap from, you know, small town Iowa to New York City, that challenged a lot of fears, you know, (laughs) I didn't know many people there. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, gained a lot of life experience, exposure and um, faced fears and and challenges. And that helped quite a bit, I would say, in developing who I am and confidence and pushing through that. Sometimes, you know, when you don't have a choice, you're you're in the situation, you know, sink or swim, you know, <laughs> you, you do what you got to do. Um, but I found it interesting as I've moved back, I'm in Iowa again now. Um, the, I would say the social anxiety and the shyness kicks in more again now here um, because the setting is different and my life, you know, circumstances are different, you know, as in, I was in New York in my twenties. And so I was out and about and social and doing all the things, you know, and the city never sleeps. So there's always something to do. Um, Anonymous in New York. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, so the setting is different here and I'm, I'm not all out and about. And even though Des Moines isn't that small for Iowa, it's still pretty small and the social anxiety kicks back in a little bit. Cause I'm not, you know, I'm not challenging it on a regular basis anymore. So yeah, it's been interesting. So uh, obviously you, you must operate on social media. I imagine. I try. Try. Not well, but I try. <laughs> so how, how does that like, you know, is that part of, you know, cause you know, I, I come from a place where, you know, this, what I'm doing now is, is in almost in direct contradiction to my, my own weakness. This is something I'm, I've kind of learned through the last two years. I've always been very shy, very introverted, very closed off. Um, I've, I've never really wanted to open up about things. Um, and then all of a sudden in 2020, I felt like I had to write a book and I had to get on TikTok and I had to start talking about things that involve stuff that were, you know, taboo in nature for most people. And so I started talking about suicide on TikTok and now I'm sitting here with, you know, 500 and some thousand followers. And I'm like, what, why, why did I choose to do that? But I'm always curious, like I, I recognize my own insecurities in operating on social media and looking at TikTok specifically. I really don't like making TikToks, right? I love having conversation. This is the interesting thing about like the podcast versus TikTok, right? I love the podcast. It gets me relatively few views, but then I go on TikTok and I do what I do, right? And I get hundreds of thousands of views. And it's so interesting to kind of see that dilemma because I don't like that, but I love this, right? I love having conversations and, you know, you can, you can make content doing this, but it's, that understanding that insecurity and how I operate, you know, it's the sink or swim kind of thing of, for, for me with TikTok of like, I have to do it, but I'm curious with 
how you operate your like your business with that insecurity of that social anxiety how do you how do you kind of walk yourself through because i think intrinsically we're humans and we have insecurities we're going to consistently have them how do you consistently push past those those boundaries I wouldn't say that I consistently do. Um, I try. I'm I'm not good at social media. I'm not good at staying up on it. I'm not. It feels like a chore. I don't really care for it. Um, I feel like, right. And I can see it as a, a benefit for a business. And so therefore I do. And I try. And I had tried to push myself to be a little more, um, me show up there as me or, you know, a little more vulnerable or authentic, but I wouldn't even say that I went that far with that. The most that I, I feel like I try on, you know, Instagram is the one that I stay the, the most up on. Um, I just try to post consistently, but again, I, there, I have very little time. I have very little energy to put like effort and, and thought into it. Um, so I can't say that I do push myself that hard on, on social media, but what I do tell myself is, is that, you know, what's important to me, you know, at this stage of my life is to continue to work on showing up as me, you know, being authentic and showing up as me and who I am and the people that resonate with who I am and what I'm about will find something from it. And those that don't won't. And, you know, um, not everybody is everybody's cup of tea. And if you are, then there's probably a problem or people pleasing. We're being, you know, an authentic, if, if, if everybody likes us. Right. Um, so I guess just being, being okay with, uh, with, with whatever anyone thinks or feels, as long as I can say I'm being true to myself. Yeah. That's, I think that's always the challenge, right? Yeah. I've, I've certainly found like, I I love TikTok for many different reasons. Um, and I also, there's parts of it I don't like, but, um, TikTok very much allowed me to develop that idea within myself of like, you know, this is, this is literally how I feel, you know, and, and that I think realism within the platform gives me that, you know, more courage to, to speak, but, um, and certainly it does help having a bunch of people follow you and say, yeah, that's awesome. Right. You know, but, um, I, I always find it, I always find it really interesting how people get to that point of, of being able to say, this is what's true to me. Um, what do you think was, was kind of the direction that you needed through, you know, through your life to find that ability and that courage to say, this is what I am comfortable with. This is who I am comfortable with. What do you think that was? I'm not sure if that's just a combination of, I'm, I'm going to guess a combination of life experience, you know, time and age and life experience and failures and joys, right? Um, We have to, we have to live and we have to experience to know what we like, what we don't like, what we align with and what we don't. Um, So we have to have that experience. And obviously age is going to help with life experience, but you can also have life experience and never truly get out there and, and live. And, you know, so that's why I include failures. We have to, we have to get out and we have to fail and we have to see what we don't like and what doesn't work. Um, and we have to see, we have to live in order to see where we want to push ourselves and who we want to become and, and where we want to grow. And, and we have to be okay. If we want to grow, we have to be okay with being pretty uncomfortable. Um, which is not something I don't, I don't think anyone jumps up for joy saying, Oh, I'll be uncomfortable, you know? Um, but some people are, are naturally more okay with failure or more okay with vulnerability. And I'm not, and, and I would say over the last three, four, five years of my life, I've almost nudged myself 
more towards those uncomfortable situations in the pursuit of who am I and growth and becoming who I want to be. So it's that decision to be, you know, okay, I accept that I'm going to, this is going to be kind of painful and uncomfortable. Um, but I like what's on the other side of it, or I want to go for what's on the other side of it. I have no idea if I answered your question just now. <laughs> I, I think you did. I, I mean, I, okay. I imagine, I think part of it did it, you know, it's, it's a hard question to answer, right? Like, and certainly, you know, in, in many ways, like that's a question that I think is a, you're continuously reassessing, right. Of, you know, what are the things that have really helped me? Because you may look at yourself now and think I'm good, but then you realize in two years, when you look back, you're like, I was, I was, I was doggy paddling, trying to figure out how to, you know, how to swim. And, and so I think that question I ask, I, I always ask hard questions. I think um, the questions that I ask are always things that need to be reassessed, you know, and I, I always, I think that's whatever you give me for an answer is probably pretty good, right? This isn't a, <laughs> this isn't a congressional tribune or something like that. Um, but I, I'm curious, like, you know, you were talking about vulnerability in the last three to five years. I imagine that vulnerability kind of comes with writing a book, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I'd love to, I'd love to kind of dig into uh, the book, Therapize Yourself. Tell yeah. me, tell me what, you know, what is the, tell me, obviously, I think I know what the book is, is about, but tell me what the book is about. Tell me like, what was, you know, when you talk about vulnerability, what was vulnerable about writing that book? Um, and, and what do you, you know, I'll ask too many questions. So maybe we start with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yes. Okay. The book, the book really came about, um, as I was kind of trying to figure out who am I and what am I doing in this world? And, you know, when, when you look at businesses and, and people tell you, you know, marketing into niche down and I don't ever know if I say that word, right. But, you know, find your niche. That's, what, that's how and, I say it. <laughs> okay, good. Um, you know, and I've always struggled with that because I think in my work, I've been quite a generalist, you know, working with a lot of different people with a lot of different things. Um, and so I've really struggled with that because I like to do all the things and I like to have variety. Um, and so the book kind of was as I'm, I'm thinking and exploring who am I and what do I do and what do I like to work with and what, what, um, what is my way, you know, what, how do, how do I work with people and how do I help people? Um, and so it's, it's really my, my step-by-step -step approach that I found myself repeating um, with clients day in and day out all of the time. It doesn't matter what you're coming to me for, who you are, what age, where you're from, what the issue or the problem is. I'm going to walk all of my clients through this same step-by-step -step process because one, it's what I believe in. And two, through my practice, you know, over a decade, it's what I've seen works. It's what I've seen gets the best results. And so, um, it's starting with, you know, that uh, holistic approach, looking at mind, body, and spirit. It's starting with a very thorough assessment of who are you and how did you get to be who you are, you know, going all the way back into childhood and your family and your friends and your relationships and your experiences. Um, and then I, I, that, that mind, body connection, that mind, body, spirit is just crucial you know, taking that holistic approach. So I want to know how are you treating your body? What are you eating? Are you exercising? Are you sleeping? What are your routines? You know, what's your, your belief system, spirituality, religion, faith, all the things. Um, and, and then just scanning different environments. How, how do you do with your money? How do you do in your relationships? How do you do at work? You know, all the things, um, because I want to see all of the pieces because they all intertwine. And then once we get past that point, then, you know, I like to work with mindset um, and really kind of follow like an EMDR therapy approach, looking at negative belief systems, clearing them out, rewiring into positive belief systems. But I know that looking at the mindset and, and clearing those out is only one piece of it. If we change, you know, we work on changing the belief systems. That's it's huge. It's powerful. It, I've seen fantastic results, 
but the body keeps those memories and those feelings and those beliefs as well. And so that's why, again, I say a holistic approach. We've got to make sure that we're clearing those um, emotions out of the body as well and regulating. Um, I'm, I can't go into too much detail as far as like, I'm not trained in polyvagal nerve, that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. um, you know, the central nervous system, getting ourselves regulated physically as well. So that is kind of um, in a nutshell where I go with the book, um, your vulnerability piece. I, I think that that, what was vulnerable about it is just the, the visibility, the visibility, you know, being seen, you know, there could be, you know, putting yourself out there, I guess that's vulnerable. I didn't get all that personal in the book. There's a few tidbits here and there. There's a few, um, but it doesn't go into to detail and length of anything too vulnerable or personal. Um, but it's, it was just the visibility piece of putting yourself out there publicly to the world where people could be, this is ridiculous. I don't like this at all. You know, you're nonsense. You could have all the negative thoughts and feelings that coming at you. Um, but because this approach is so central to my practice and who I am, and I believe it, at least right now, you know, it's who I am and it's where I'm at right now. If I, I, I'm okay with that, I'm okay if people don't agree or they don't like it. Um, it works for me, it works for my clients. So, and if it can help even, you know, one other person out there, fantastic. It's, it's done its job. I think that's, I think that's really powerful to, to be able to sit there and say, because this is something I, I wholeheartedly believe in. When you say, I believe in it right now. I think that's a really powerful place to sit because you're, you're, you're almost giving yourself, uh, you're, you're making yourself willing to say this may not be true in 10 years. Yeah. And, and I love that ability. I think that's really, you know, I think that's a really good place to start. If you're going to be a coach, if you're going to be a therapist, you're going to be someone that helps people kind of work through these remarkably complicated issues. Um, to know that you may not be right. Um, and more often than not, you're, you're not right. Um, and it's, you know, I, I deal with a specific clientele that I think, you know, and I think this is a pretty interesting conversation, especially with you, because I think you kind of straddle both sides of this and you tell me if I'm wrong. Um, a, a clientele that refuses to go to a mental health professional because of whether they've been traumatized or re-traumatized um, or have bad experiences, have, um, you know, been hurt or, you know, just stigmatized to the point where they won't go to that. Right. And so I'm, I'm that person that, you know, I'm well-educated, but I'm not certified. Right. But I don't attempt to be, I don't, I don't try to explain to people that I am a therapist or anything like that, but they come to me because of that very, that very, I think misunderstood niche of there's people out there that won't go to the, the very system that is supposed to help them because of whatever reason. And, and I think, and if I did my research, right, you kind of straddle that with your, your mindset coaching along with your, you know, psychotherapy, as well as your, you know, hypnotherapy. Tell me how you, do you notice that, you know, there's a difference between people who are willing to go to therapy versus people who aren't Um, like, do you see those people? Do you have that? You know, how do you, how do you approach the system itself of um, how people kind of kind of receive you or receive therapy itself? I I know it's a big question, but take it wherever you want to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's messy. It's messy. And I think what I'm doing, it's for a, a couple different reasons. Um, you know, I'm uh, one, I'm, I'm trying to integrate all of what you just talked about, the people that accept therapy, the people that don't, there's the stigma on it, the people that are going to feel more comfortable with coaching for whatever reason. Um, then there's the other piece of the, the system in general. Um, you know, we're not necessarily trained, you know, in modern medicine and our society to integrate, you know, the minds over here, the bodies over here, religions over here, spiritualities over here, you know, they're all separate um, in our training and, and, and 
how people tend to provide them. And I don't agree with that. Um, I don't think it works that way. And then there's the system in the sense of um, healthcare. And I can, I can accept insurance through, you know, um, my therapy license, but um, I cannot through coaching. And so there, and, and, and my therapy license restricts me to Iowa and in coaching, I can talk to anyone anywhere. So there's all these pieces of the puzzle um, based around systems and, and how they work and don't work. Um, and so it's messy. It's really messy, but I wanted to be able to reach more people, more types of people, um in different places and and part of that is the you know the the piece of the coaching is i do understand there's a there's still you know people are talking about it way more now than ever mental health way more now than ever but there's still that stigma that i've had i have to have something um clinically diagnosably wrong with me to go to therapy and that's just not true at all um and so you know, I want to reach the people that maybe are term, you know, we throw out there worried. Well, I'm doing okay, but I could do better. You know, I want to be a better version of myself or yeah, maybe I don't have clinical depression or anything like that, but I'm struggling with this, uh, career move or decision or, you know, a relationship. Um, so, you know, and it's my belief that whether you call it therapy or coaching and technically, you know, there are differences, um, but whatever, when you're calling it, there's not a single one of us out there that couldn't use it or benefit from it. You know, every single one of us would benefit from some self-exploration, some help, some guidance, you know, so. I I would imagine that how you operate in that, that coaching versus therapy realm is not all that common, or at least maybe that's, that's my assumption. Is that, is that right? Is that wrong? Right. What do you think? Is that. It's not that common. It's becoming more common. You're seeing a lot of therapists shift to coaching and trying to manage both and see where that's going. And I think that's because of the restrictions and regulations, you know, by life insurance, insurance companies, things like that, especially in a very mobile world now since COVID, you know? Um, So do you think think that'll change? Like, I mean, obviously when, when people start like, this is culture, right? When people start doing things differently and, and, you know, insurance companies have never seen therapists start doing two different things at the same time. um, Do you think that will potentially change how the mental health system kind of approaches using insurance and um, operating with, you know, certain licenses and like, obviously boards will, will start paying attention to that. Like, what do you think if, if you were to make some kind of prediction, like, what do you think is going to, how do you think that's going to change the culture of like how therapists themselves and insurance companies operate with this in mind? Yeah, I don't know. I just know I'm not going to hold my breath for anything because (laughs) (laughs) systems take a very long time to, to see change. I know that already, you know, there's been, uh, talk of, of changing the certifications or degrees or licensing needed for therapists, at least in the state of Iowa, um, that didn't go through. Um, it's, so, you know, you never know, um, I really, I really don't know that I, I'm not a gambling person, so I wouldn't put money one way or the other. Right. I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't hold my breath for any significant change because I just know that systems take a very long time to, to accept change, you know, um, when people get in, in a way of doing things and, they forget why they're doing them in the first place, or there's who knows the agenda as to why they're set up in the first place coming from whatever direction. Right. Um, you know, you're going to have a lot of pushback in a lot of areas just because it's the way we've always done it. So yeah, that's a hard call to make. <laughs> right. It's, I mean, there's so much stigma on so many different sides, right? There's the economic idea of, you know, how insurance companies themselves operate. There's also, you know, the, just how people come to therapy, you know, with such 
I, I think mistaken or misunderstandings, you know, of how therapists operate. I, I certainly know that's, that's a potential, but then there's also the people that go to therapy and then have highly negative experiences with therapists, um, which then almost, I mean, one, it can create that kind of not necessarily misinformation, but, but that, that one thing that puts, get, gets put on a social media platform or a news platform that then labels all therapists as bad for certain people. Um, there's so many, there's so many d- different complexities that come with that job, but I'm, I'm happy to hear that there are people like you out there. Cause that's the, the hard part about my, my situation is that I only hear about the negative experiences that people have with therapists. And I, I yeah. know that's kind of like an unfortunate bias that I, that I get fed. Um, but I do know that there are good people out there, you know, trying to do good work. And I, I very much appreciate you. Um, ultimately I wish I didn't have a job, you know, and, and therapists could have the work that I do. Right. Because I, I don't necessarily want to do what I do. I know I'm good at it, but I would really love to speak and send people to you, right. To, to, you know, kind of, emphasize and initiate that discussion with someone that probably has a little bit more qualifications than me, whether, whether my style, they like my style or not, doesn't matter. I I want someone to, someone that really centralizes that, that education on it. Um, And I, I, I imagine that the education is getting better because it sounds like, you know, in the past, you know, a lot of my clients are, can some, sometimes be older and their experiences with therapists are from a time you know, 20 years ago, right? Where therapy was much different. The education system was much different. I imagine trauma has become more of a, a, a focus in, in at least the last decade or so. But what are your, what are you kind of seeing in terms of like the education for therapists? And, you know, you're now you're seeing like hypnotherapy. That was never a thing 30, 40 years ago. Um, like what are, what are your kind of, uh, what are your concerns or your comments on things like education for, for therapists? Yeah, just like, again, any system, it's, in my opinion, behind. Um, Certainly. Right. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a long time since I've been actually in school. So, you know, what I have to base mine on are, is continuing education courses. Right. Um, and a, a positive is that I am starting to see more um, body work, more somatic work, more, you know, bringing the body into it more, um, into therapy more. And I'm starting to see just um, integration and and nutrition and mental health as well. Um, So it's getting there slowly, but it's, it's behind regardless. So I, I guess I'm happy that I'm starting to see some of these courses pop up and, um, but I would like to see a lot more cause I want to take different ones and, right. and I want to see more therapists taking different ones. Um, but it's getting there, but yeah, always, it's always going to be slower than, than we would like a lot of times with any system and yeah. What, what stuff, what stuff are you looking at where, where you're kind of interested in or, or learning from what? what are you kind of looking forward to? Yeah, I really, there's some, there's the polyvagal nerve class that's out there um, that I'm hoping to take soon. I'm excited about that. Um, And there is, well, I actually did just complete um, an integrative medicine. Ooh, it's a long title. It's long story short, because I don't know the exact title of what the certificate that I got is. Sure. <laughs> I, I'm not really using it yet, but it's like certified integrative medicine for mental health um, with Leslie Korn and it's Dr. Leslie Korn. And it's looking at, um, you know, the different natural organics like herbs or supplements or body work or breath work or um, gosh, there, she has so much information in there. Um, but it's, it's fantastic to see her bringing all these different integrated medicine approaches in, because the more you have, the more you're going to like, 
one thing isn't going to be for everybody, but if you have a lot of different tools and options for healing and um, helping with mental health that aren't just sitting on a therapy couch, maybe it's you have ADHD, you should try these foods or you should avoid these foods or look at food sensitivities, um, you know, get moving, do these exercises, skin brushing, you know, um, singing, all the things, right? So she's integrating all these different things, which is fantastic. Um, I haven't really applied much of it in my own practice because I was overwhelmed and I do not feel, even with the certification, I do not feel qualified <laughs> to start yeah. practicing it yet, but I would like to dig into some more classes down the line. Absolutely. That's really interesting. I, I a couple episodes ago, I want to say, uh, I think it was episode 53. I had a, a guy named Jonathan Irish on, um, he's a therapist here in, here in Wisconsin and he does horticulture therapy so like he he gardens you know and he talks about you know that and it was like the first time I ever one it was the first time I ever heard of it um and so when I had the conversation with him it's just it's such a I I find where we are now like I, I and I think social media is really a, a purveyor of this but the ability to understand that there are so many different options out there now um, is, is just incredible. Um, and I, I love that one, I think all of what you're looking at and in, looking into is incredible. And the fact that it overwhelms you is probably a good thing. Right. Um, and I love, I love that there are so many different techniques that are now being available and being offered. Um, I just, yeah, I just want to see more of it. I'm excited for that. Yes. There's, there's definitely a lot out there, but it, like you said, it hasn't become central or, or widely known yet. And give it time. We're learning a lot more, like I said, about the, the body. Um, another area that I think is just fascinating. And it's like a big dark black hole for me. I don't, I can't make sense of it all. And once I start digging into it, I'm like, you know, my mind's blown, but like, just you know, I've always had the understanding, you know, through training that our mental health is part nature, part nurture, right? So epigenetics and how we're, you know, genetically what we're prone to, or, um, you know, just looking at doing some testing, you know, you, you can do testing to see which exercises are good for your body, which diet, which foods are good for your body. Like I said, the food sensitivities, they have so many testing things now that like, oh, I, I can't even begin to understand or explain the science behind it that like, but specifically looks at things going on in your body around say anxiety or depression. And, um, a lot of functional medicine people might get into this and I love functional medicine and that can go into a whole other realm too, right, you know, yeah. but, um, it's, it's fascinating. And if I had all the time in the world, I would definitely have a, another, you know, additional career in functional medicine and the epigenetics and all of that as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, more is coming and, and I think that's only a good thing. Um, I'm, I'm always just curious. I'm always I'm that, uh, you know, I talked about it on another podcast. I, I love the movie World War Z. Um, and this is so random, but I bring it up. And I, but I think it's important is that, you know, there was a moment in World War Z where Israel had 10 people kind of considering what was happening in the movie, right? This zombie apocalypse, which is crazy. But um, they had 10 people that all agreed on one thing. But it was the, it was the, a rule in their culture that 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 last man has to disagree um, so that they have to dig deeper and, and confirm. Um, and I like to kind of think of myself as that 10th man of like, I'm always going to look at the system and I want it to be better, but I'm going to do it in a way where I'm questioning it. I, so, I, you know, I want people to dig deeper into how they operate. Like I, I again, I don't want to do what I do. Like I'm, I'm good at it. I, I, I appreciate it. I value it, but it's not like, it's not my place. And I, 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 I understand that in some sense, but I, I, I want to question the, the system. I want to question the people that run the system that operate the system that guide the system to, to continuously adapt and reassess where they are and how they approach the, 
problems of people because they're leaving people behind. Um, and sometimes by choice, sometimes by not choice. Um, and I always, I always find myself in that situation of like, how do I find more people like you to present them to people that are unwilling to look at the system or are unwilling to look at themselves and say, you know, my, my position is right. When the reality is, is your position might be right 20 years ago, but it's not right anymore. And when are you going to reassess yourself and, and make that, that, that decision? Because I just want, ultimately, I just want people to have the, I don't want the stigma to exist where they can go find people like yourself, you know, and, and I want to present people that are, I think, remarkably good for people, you know, and give them the option of like, you know, if you, this, this happened a couple of weeks ago or yeah, a couple of weeks ago where one of my, one of my clients that I'm currently working with came to a session and she was like, I, I just scheduled a consultation with someone that was on your podcast. Um, she was an EFT practitioner. Um, and, and I was like, yes, right. Like, perfect. Like, please, that's, that's exactly what I want because the more I can expand their ability to impact themselves and change themselves and, you know, solve their own issues, um, the less I have to worry about them and, and support them because, you know, ultimately I think therapy and you tell me your opinion, but I think therapy is really about helping someone help themselves. Um, and, and the more you can kind of develop their own skills, the less they need you. And that is a beautiful thing to me. Exactly. And, you know, having all those different modalities, you know, EFT, um, we're working on building, you know, kind of a holistic self-care center here where there's massage, there's Reiki, there's a health coach, there's, you know, medication management, there's um, the emotion code or body code, you know, um, and, and their spiritual guides and, and looking at all, all around because, EFT might work for someone and then someone else is just going to say that is not for me. Right. Or, um, certain it's just not a one size fits all kind of thing. So the more things you can introduce to somebody as far as coping skills and self-care and help them find themselves and what works for them, the more progress you're going to see. So we've got to be open and flexible to, all the things, you know, I know one of the more controversial ones is psychedelics are, you know, coming, making a turnaround again, and, and people are exploring and, and looking into that. I don't actually know where we are as, as far as how close that is to being, you know, um, more widely accepted legal wherever, whatever state, right? But um, I know they're doing a lot more research into that, particularly with PTSD. Um, and I think it's exciting. And I, you know, if it's gonna help somebody, then why not, right? And as long as it's um, safe and, and studied and, right, um, managed in a, in a healthy, appropriate way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see kind of how, how culture has transformed its, its vision or its opinion on things that have naturally been available to us for a long time, right? Like, like psychedelics have been used for millennia really by humans, you know, like ayahuasca is a good example. I had someone that actually has gone through, you know, trips on DMT and ayahuasca in South America for his own PTSD on the podcast before. And it's like, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and, and yet, like, it's not a, it's not something that can be approved by our government, right? Like, it's, it's interesting to see how that stuff works. Um, and just like, the aversion to natural drugs, but the non aversion to drugs that have been manufactured that have actually caused harm to people. Um, and at, like, it, it really raises questions as to like, is this corruption or is this really just a coincidental mistake that you guys are making? Like, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to pick one, you know, like one is pretty, seems pretty heavy in the, in the heart, but you know, it's, it's just really interesting of certainly how, cause I'm on TikTok. It's interesting how I think this decade is really going to be signified by accountability, right? Where 
like last last decade it was really about like social media was brand new and this hustle mentality this grind mentality kind of came out and a lot of people made one made money um, and made impacts where maybe they shouldn't have but this decade people are kind of looking at you know who has made money who has made their impact who has done stuff that they shouldn't have and people are starting to look at politicians they're starting to look at the systems they're starting to look at people uh, leaders and saying you know drug companies why did you make money off of this knowing full well this was a problem you know and it's just a really interesting kind of situation i think for social media to be in and for us it's going to be might be fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and I like I like that uh, accountability piece because if, if we're either not holding ourselves accountable or, or you know someone else accountable, then it's just a free for all, right? Like yeah. and we're not we're not working with the truth. So yeah. I definitely like that idea of accountability. I think it's 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 gonna be scary for some people. You know, I, I think there's yeah. gonna be I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next decade with, uh, you know, one, the political system, because that's just, you know, it's in an interesting state, you know, that's, we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> but like the medical system in general um, is, is in a really interesting state because of how, um, you know, there, there's literally accounts on TikTok that are set to say, hey, uh, hospitals, why are you not posting your prices? that was supposed to be posted a year and a half ago because that's when the law came out and you're still not doing it. And like people are actively holding massive corporations and people that are making a whole lot of money accountable for actions where they're supposed to be taking care of people, but they're really taking care of themselves. You know? right. And looking at like, why are hospitals or drug companies, you know, putting out so much marketing, um, marketing funding, but they're not putting any research funding in place to, you know, test these, these drugs that are coming out. And so it's, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation. Culture is in a very interesting place right now. Yeah. And, and as far as mental health, we have so many tests out there right now that somebody, and I, I, again, I'm, this isn't necessarily my area, so I can't speak that, you know, educated on it, but I, I know there are tests out there where people can find out which maybe psych meds would work the best for them and which would not, but why aren't, why aren't we using them? Why aren't psychiatrists, why aren't, why do my clients not know this until I let yeah. them know? And then I, they need to go I find the test themselves. Right. <laughs> like, right. I, I'm, I'm one of those people that I try and I try to understand the system as best I can, but I, I never knew that. Right. Like, why is that not more readily available? Why is that not something that can be why is it not the first step, you know, because right. the process, you know, I've had this, you know, kind of love hate with, with psych meds because when they work, they work and they save lives, but so much more often than not, they are a struggle to get on and get off and see if they work and they don't and what dose. And then they have these side effects and the interactions and it's, and then that one didn't work. So, you know, two months later, we got to go to the next one. And it's this kind of painful journey when we could just take a test and see right. which you, you, you know, genetically this, this medication might work the best for you. You know, I know some of it's still a guessing game on some level of, you know, how well, and, and that kind of thing. But, um, how do you, yeah. do you, do you mind if I ask you, and, and I, obviously you don't necessarily have to answer obviously with, with your, you know, proprietary, I don't know how insurance works or how you have to work with within licensing, but how do you approach, how do you approach drugs with, with your clients? Is, is that something that, um, you know, are, are you, tell me how you approach that. I don't, I don't want to lead the question yeah. too much. No, I kind of, I kind of do exactly what I just said. You know, yeah. the clients that come to me are, are generally seem to be, you know, on the same page anyway, if they read my bio, they see, I take a holistic approach. These are the things I focus on and I'll let them know. I do. I, I have this, love, hate, you know, relationship with medications. They're my last resort. I'll let them know they're my last resort. Um, so if we can, I say it, it depends on level of severity of their symptoms and, and where they're at though. Right. So if somebody is coming to me and their symptoms are in a place where 
hey, can we give it three to six months? Three to six months, let's try to work on things in here. Let's try to work on your diet, your exercise out there. Let's try to like, you know, integrate all these things and see where you're at. And if we don't have much progress, maybe we talk medications in three to six months. But if you're coming to me and you're having panic attacks every single day, you're gonna lose your job, you can't get out of bed, we might jump straight to medications to just, you know, that crutch, that bridge to get you to where we need you to go um, functioning while we work on, you know, all of the other things in therapy. So that's kind of my little spiel and I'll let them know, but I'm going to meet somebody where they're at as well. Right. It doesn't seem like you, and this is one of the things I think my, a lot of my clients have struggled with, with the mental health system and therapists is that, it seems like you're not the kind of person that is going to prolong the use of medication for like a ridiculously long time, which is one of the things that so many of my clients have like sworn off the mental health system simply because they had, they had therapists and, and people that were prescribing them medications that weren't taking them off. They would increase them when side effects got worse. Like it, it's, it's just an interesting it's refreshing to hear you kind of talk about this, but you know, there's certainly people out there that don't do what you're doing. And, and I, I can't speak for all of them, but I would probably say training has a lot to do with it and then being stuck in their ways. But no, if, if I don't want anyone on medications, if they don't have to be, but I do understand there are some diagnoses. There are some things that the medication is, they, it does wonders and it's life-saving. You know, I've seen people get on ADHD meds and just right. they're functioning so much better or bipolar, you know, you know, that's helping them level out, you know? So I understand it, if it helps by all means, but if we, if we can get you off of the meds or never go on them, that is my preference. I will say, I, I, I'd prefer, you know, I'll suggest but I would prefer that people would go to a functional medicine provider first. Let's see if you have any food sensitivities. Let's see how your body's functioning. Is there somewhere that's not working? You know, is your body a well-oiled machine or is something clogged up there? Basically, you know, um, how are you sleeping? Let's see if we can get your sleep under control first. Let's cut out sugar, caffeine, like let's do all these things. Let's get on you know, supplements, um, we're all like vitamin D deficient, you know, are you taking vitamin D? Like, let's look at these things first. And, and a lot of times then we never have to circle back to the medication route, but sometimes we do. And that's, that's perfectly okay. I think under a controlled, you know, in a, in a controlled environment that's monitored, I think that's, that's, that's one of the things I've always, I've always heard uh, pretty consistently is, you know, it was never, you know, it's always, it's always interesting when, when someone comes to me and they're like, you know, I've been on this medication for like four years and I feel terrible. And I'm like, why has that not been addressed? Like, if you feel terrible on the medication, why, <laughs> like, maybe there's a problem. Like, it, it, like, where's the reassessment? It, it's always interesting to me con- to hear these stories because it's, it's so common. You know, I make a piece of content about, you know, medications and people will tell me like, this is my experience, you know, benzodiazepines and this and this and this and this. It's like, wow. Like what, are, like what, <laughs> like there's no, it, it, it almost seems like, you know, you walk in and it's, it's more of a pharmacy than it is a, you know, development session, right? Where, you know, not, not to say it's their problem, right? It's, it's really on the, I think it's really on both people because it's a relationship where one person has to advocate for themselves and say, is this even working? And the other person has to monitor and say, is this even working for you? Right. Um, And I just think the conversation for some reason is, is just not obviously not getting through to, to certain people, but it's really refreshing to hear, um, a good, I think a good, um, just a good therapist. I would imagine it, it sounds like you're a good therapist. I would go to you, <laughs> right. If, if I needed, if I needed that, um, you know, that's, that's incredible. Um, and I, I love it. Is there, is there anything like, you know, what are you kind of working on for the future? You know, you, I think you mentioned, um, 
like a holistic center? Like, what are you kind of working on for the future? Where are you taking your practice? Where are you taking, you know, yourself? Like, are you thinking about another book? Like what's, what's next for, for you, Carrie? Mm, all good questions. And, and, and my brain's circling around all the things you just, you just listened, list, listed, excuse me. Um, but yes, I've thought about another book or two. Um, but I don't consider myself a writer. Like I'm, I'm not, an, I'm not, I'm not a writer, um, but I got things to say. So, you know, so maybe, um, but I would say personally, I'm more working on um, continuing my work life balance for, for the season of where my life is right now, because I have all these things that I would like to do, but I also have a full caseload of clients, um, which is fantastic in, you know, a good problem to have. Right. But, um, so then there's a full caseload and I have my, my family and my husband and two four-year-old twins at home and, two boxer dogs and, you know, <laughs> a house to maintain yep. and my nice. own self-care. Yes. All the things. Um, and so my personal focus is on trying to balance that. Um, but my professional focus in general, I would say right now is everything that we just talked about trying to make that even more, it's one thing to talk about it, but I'm trying to, and, and it is, it's what I practice. And I talk about with my clients, all day, every day, but I'm trying to make that more central to who am, who I am in my company, my business, um, by, like I said, bringing in kind of making that one-stop shop of we've got all these people and these amazing providers, these holistic providers, integrating all these providers into this space, because it's that soft, warm handoff, you know, cause you're even talking about meds and I'm thinking, well, if I'm referring my clients to med management, I need to know who I'm sending them to because right. we got the people that will just dole out the meds. I need to send them to somebody that not only, you know, obviously is going to prescribe the meds, but it also is going to stress and emphasize the importance of therapy and exercise and all the other things, right? And not just give the client the impression that these meds are the one ticket and the answer because it's never one thing. It's all the things. It's all the things that one thing will not heal us, you know, but it's all the little things that we build up and we, you know, balance out in our lives that is going to make the difference. And so I want to have that space here. Um, so I'm rebranding into the self-care center and have that space for all of those different holistic and integrative providers so that we can have warm handoffs. I know this person just walk right down the hall, give it a shot. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's not, but, you know, try it out and see if it is, you know, and maybe introduce people to new options for their self-care and their coping skills, because we all got problems. We all got problems in this life. We all always will have problems in this life. It's going to come down to how well are we equipped to handle them? Yeah. I love that. I, I think that's, you know, you're, you're obviously making a safe place for your, your clients to ha have these conversations. And now you can look at the, the next person in the line of, you know, in the lineup of who you have available to you. And you can say, I trust this person. And so that goes a long way with people that trust you. Right. Um, right. I, I think that's, that's powerful. That's awesome. Well, Carrie, this has been an awesome conversation, refreshing, certainly on my end to, to kind of see a different, a different, you know, perspective and a different lens than I normally do. Um, but I got to ask, um, if there was one message you could leave the world, what would that be? Yes. So I think you kind of already said it in a way, um, other than, you know, encouraging people to take that holistic approach, look at mind, body, spirit, all of it. I would say that it's encouraging people to understand and believe that they're their own best self healers. They're the only ones that are the expert on themselves. They intuitively know what's good and healthy and right for them. Any professional, any coach, any, you know, expert or therapist or whatever doctor, we're all just guides. We're all just guides with tidbits of information from training and experience but you always are the one that is the best self healer for yourself. You have the answers. 
I love it. I that's I feel like I wrote a whole chapter on that in my book. So it's <laughs> it's it's very the people that follow this podcast will will very much respect that. Uh, you know, the coach can't play the field, and and that's that's an important thing to understand. Is you know, you got to do it yourself. You got to you got to be the player. Um, I love it. Well, Carrie, this has been wonderful. I'm so glad you were able to come on and for us to have this conversation. And I greatly appreciate you coming on. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. It, it's been good. Um, and for those of you that are still listening, thank you for, for still listening and thank you for, for joining us. Make sure you go check out Carrie's, uh, Carrie's links in the description will be in the show notes for you. And we'll catch you next time on the Dylan Experience. And that is it. <laughs>